48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Ben Che. The top stories. The Institute of Vocational Education's Changkwano campus is to be closed for two weeks after a student comes down with COVID-19. And an infectious disease expert says it's too early to relax social distancing measures. And the education secretary defends his bureau's refusal to disclose details of teachers who have been censured due to misconduct related to last year's protests. The Institute of Vocational Education's Chunkwano campus will be closed for a fortnight and more than 2,000 students and staff will be asked to test for COVID-19 after a 22-year-old student who goes there was confirmed to have contracted the coronavirus through an unknown source. The student lives in Sha Tim and last went to the campus on September the 29th. He also went to a bar in Chim Sa Choi with friends during the incubation period. Staff at the bar will also be tested. Here's Dr. Chuan Shukwan from the Center for Health Protection. We identified around two close contacts who had breakfast, who had shared meal together with the patient during the communicable period. We will distribute bottles to the place the patient lives. We identify one high-risk activity during the incubation period, which he visited a bar with a few friends. But uh, so far, we have not identified any confirmed case among this activity and also the friends. But we are still investigating. There were also three imported cases today from the Philippines, India and the UK. An infectious disease expert from the Chinese University says the current social distancing measures should stay in place for now, as Hong Kong is still seeing local coronavirus cases with unknown sources of infection. Professor David Hui, who advises the government on anti-epidemic efforts, acknowledged that people are growing tired of the COVID-19 restrictions, but says people need to remain vigilant. He says authorities need to see if there are any outbreaks after the National Day holiday. We have to look at the daily figures because what we have seen now reflects what happened two weeks ago. During the holiday, a lot of people actually have gone out celebrating and also joining a lot of social activities. So we have to watch out whether there is any related outbreak, for example, in restaurants and other facilities. Education Secretary Kevin Young is defending his bureau's refusal to disclose details of teachers who were found guilty of professional misconduct over last year's anti-government protests, as demanded by former chief executive C.Y. Leung. Francis Sit reports. A group founded by former chief executive C.Y. Leung has lodged a judicial challenge in a bid to force education authorities to disclose information on teachers who have been censured due to misconduct related to last year's protest. The city's former leader also accused Education Minister Kevin Young of evading his responsibilities. But as about the court case, Mr. Young says the Education Bureau has been seriously handling complaints against teachers according to existing procedures, and the Bureau has always been a gatekeeper to protect students' interest and ensure teachers' professional conduct. Mr. Young added that teachers should be given a chance to improve with the help of the schools and his bureau. He says the courts will have to handle the dispute as the former CE's group isn't satisfied with the bureau's previous responses and has resorted to legal action. Two security guards at Hong Kong University have received warning letters over an incident which saw a group of outsiders ripping apart a university linen wall. The pro-Beijing group did the damage a week ago and some students have accused the guards of not stopping the outsiders. HKU says it thinks the two could have done more to intervene. It says they'll be suspended from duty for two weeks and receive more training. The two have also apologized over the way they handled the matter. 
The mainland's anti-corruption agency says a former longtime colleague of Vice President Wang Qishan is under investigation for corruption. Natalie Ching has the details. A one-line statement on the website of the Central Commission of Disciplinary Inspections said Dong Hong is suspected of serious violation of the law and party rule. Mr. Dong served as a senior disciplinary inspector until 2017 under Vice President Wang Qishan, when Mr. Wang was chief of anti-corruption agency. State media articles state Dong's relationship with Mr. Wang back to the 1990s. President Xi Jinping has overseen a staunch anti-corruption drive since he took over the presidency in 2012, and investigations against former officials are not unusual. Reverend Peter Kuhn says he hopes the Taiwan murder suspect he's been helping can have a chance to correct his sins. Chan Tong Kai is accused of murdering his girlfriend two years ago in a case the Hong Kong government used to try and introduce a now-shelved extradition law. Reverend Kuhn says he also hopes the girl, Poon Hyo Wing, can rest in peace. RTHK, the time is now five minutes past 11. President Trump has spent his first night in a military hospital where he's receiving treatment for his coronavirus infection. His doctor said Mr. Trump didn't need supplemental oxygen, but he's so far been treated with an experimental drug cocktail injection and the antiviral medication Remdesivir. Here's the BBC's James Gallagher. Donald Trump has been given two therapies that try to slow the virus's assault on the body. The combination of antibodies designed by Regeneron mimic our own immune response. The antibodies physically stick to the coronavirus so they can't get inside the body's cells, and they make the virus more visible to the rest of the immune system. The approach makes scientific sense, and there is huge hope it will be effective. However, the evidence in patients is still limited, so this is considered an experimental drug. Remdesivir works after the virus has infected one of the body's cells. The drug disrupts the virus's ability to make thousands of copies of itself, and studies suggest this can shorten the course of an infection. But it's unclear if either of these drugs are life-saving. Official figures in India show more than 100,000 people have died there from COVID-19. India is the third country to pass that milestone after the United States and Brazil. The number of infections, more than 6 million, is likely to surpass the number in the U.S. in the coming days. On Tuesday, India's leading pandemic agency released a survey saying the real number of infections might be 10 times higher, 60 million. A powerful storm has caused what are being called the worst floods in living memory in southeast France. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. It started out in Brittany in the northwest, but it swept down through the country and it's deposited uh, two and a half months worth of rain on southeastern France in, in just in 24 hours. The river Var, for instance, is up to eight meters above its normal peak levels. So not just the normal level, the peak level. So uh, an awful lot of water spilling around in the districts. It's uh, worse in living memory and some meteorologists, in fact, are calling it a, a once in a century event. Armenian civilians are fleeing Stepanakert, the main city in Nagorno-Karabakh, to escape shelling as Azerbaijan continues its offensive on the enclave. The BBC's Jonah Fisher is there. The shelling of Stepanakert continues this morning and people are leaving. We watched as buses of the most vulnerable, the elderly and young families, were loaded up to go. Then a soldier called out drones overhead. And shortly afterwards, there was a loud explosion. The bus accelerated away, 
as the relatives who'd stayed behind ran for cover. At the moment, the Armenian authorities in Nagorno-Karabakh seem to have no answer to the Azeri assault from the air. They say they want talks, but there is no sign that Azerbaijan or its backers, Turkey, feel the same way. Germany is holding coronavirus-restricted celebrations to commemorate the 30th anniversary of its reunification. President Frank-Walter Steinmeier told a ceremony in Potsdam that Western and Eastern Germans still existed, but it was no longer a defining difference. This report from the BBC's Damien McGuinness. It was in Potsdam in 1945 that Winston Churchill signed the agreement with the US and the Soviet Union that eventually led to Germany's division between Communist East and Capitalist West. The celebrations have been scaled back because of the pandemic, but that also suits the more reflective mood of this anniversary. There's a lively discussion here about the remaining disparities between East and West. Wages and pensions are lower in the East. Most leadership positions, whether it be in business, media or politics, are held by people from Western Germany. And in one survey, 40% of Eastern Germans said they felt like second-class citizens. And in sports and football, Chelsea have thumped Crystal Palace 4-0 in the English Premier League. New signing Ben Chilwell was a star of the show, with a goal and an assist for Kurt Zuma. Jorginho slotted home two penalties. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Institute of Vocational Education's Trancono campus is to be closed for two weeks after a student comes down with COVID-19. An infectious disease expert says it's too early to relax social distancing measures. And the Education Secretary defends his bureau's refusal to disclose details of teachers who have been censured due to misconduct related to last year's protests. The news from RTHK. Call me. You know the number. I'm 
Frankie. How you do? Yeah, Frankie with you. Keeping it cool.